When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This message is brought to you by Regeneron. If you have diabetes, listen closely because your ears could help your eyes. Excess sugar from diabetes could lead to eye damage and vision loss, even blindness, and you might not even notice it at first. So remember, now is the time to get your eyes checked. Eye care is especially important with diabetes. See a path forward with actions and potential treatment options that may help your eyes and protect against vision loss. Go see an eye care specialist and visit nowic.com to take charge of your eyesight. That is N-O-W-E-Y-E-S-E-E.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Mailbag Podcast, the second one of this 2019 season. I'm here, your host, Nicholas Moriano, and I'm joined by my co-host, Charlie Bevins. Charlie, we got the day off of class today. We did. How was that? Uh, did you do anything productive with your time off? Or uh, I got a haircut. Um, otherwise, really, no, not really. Well, it, it, obviously, this is a podcast. It looks good, you guys. Good-looking haircut there. Charlie, we, we obviously have some questions after yet another loss from the Bears, three in a row against the Chargers. So, predictably, the fan base isn't happy. What was, what was more difficult for you to watch? Was it them just get run out of the building by the Saints, or is it, yet again, more kicking struggles? I think – so the kicking struggles are definitely a part of it, but the red zone. Oh yeah. my goodness, Charlie! I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I tweeted out during the game: it can't be that hard to score. It can't be that hard to get into the end zone. Against the Chargers, too. I saw something about like how many different plays Nagy ran. And at first, I kind of took it to to mean like, you know, he's trying everything and nothing's working. But then it's like, you know, only one of these involves a David Montgomery carry. And that's where the issue lies there, Charlie. And that's why a lot of people are split. Look, I don't think it's you can only blame one person for why the Bears are 3-4 and four up to this point. But when you had those questionable play calling where you're not running David Montgomery, who got you to that point of the, the field in the first place, using that I formation, it's, it's questionable for sure. All right, Charlie, let's, let's just get right into this. We're gonna, we have a couple of audio questions here that you guys submitted. We have some Twitter questions, so... We're here to break them down and give you our insight. We're going to start off with our first question of the day. Oh, hey, this is Brian from Near North. Hey, I saw the Eagles playing the other night. Jordan Howard looked like he was running pretty well. Uh, I know the Bears' line, offensive line, uh, leaves something to be desired, but um, the running game being what it is, I wonder if you have any thoughts about 
personnel moves, particularly uh, uh, launching Howard, who seems to be a pretty good running back. Uh, thanks. That's definitely uh, a fair question, Brian, that I was a little surprised that it got brought up so often in the offseason, but you know, as the first couple of weeks progress of the season where Montgomery is really not able to do anything and Howard is kind of lightening it up in Philly, it just, for me, it kind of gets back to a, a broader conversation about running backs. And, you know, I do think a skill set like Howard's is replaceable regardless of where it fits. The Eagles have done a good job maximizing his strengths as a runner. But even you saw on Sunday, they started going to Miles Sanders a little bit more. I think they're trying to work him in, into that offense uh, progressively throughout the season more than Howard. And But at the same time, I, I do think, um, you know, I'm not sure how Howard would have done with this offensive line. And, you know, his evasiveness leaves a lot to be desired. So those guys getting right through to the line of scrimmage, I think Montgomery has a better chance of getting away from those uh, from those tacklers than Howard does. But, you know, is it a fit thing? Maybe, but it, it was only until last week that we saw Montgomery really take a step forward in this offense and show that he prob- that he does fit. Yeah, and I think uh, obviously you see what the I formation can do for, you know, running back like a David Montgomery. Just getting those, you know, more of those carries having – what was it, 27 attempts for 135 yards and, and a touchdown. Um, but I don't have an issue whatsoever with the move that the Bears made in March last year, trading Jordan Howard to the Eagles for a 2020 uh, six-round draft pick. Potentially could be a fifth-round pick, depending on what Howard does this season. And looks like with the production he has so far, it could uh, be that for the Bears. But like you said, Charlie, how this offensive line was playing prior to this game against the Chargers I don't know if Jordan Howard even gets as many yards as David Montgomery because you see that, again, prior to this Chargers game, David Montgomery had to fight for every single two-yard gain, three-yard gain, making people miss, ducking under people, doing whatever he had to do. Jordan Howard's not that kind of guy. He's a guy that will fall forward, and he's doing that for the Eagles right now, but I think that it was the right move in hindsight just seeing even though that Howard is having success in Philly, Montgomery's going to be a good back here in Chicago, and I think it last week kind of shows what kind of back he can be. Yeah, and I also think it's important to not to judge, to judge not judge trades the year they happen. I think you really do have to give it a few years. You know, last year, all we did was laugh about how we got, how the Bears got Khalil Mack for two firsts, and, you know, that second first is looking awfully appealing right now, and so that's why I think in general we really need to take our time when assessing how trades work because we really don't know the full ramifications of a trade until sometimes three, four years down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And every team is is different in what they kind of want from the running back. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Bears kind of have that same system in the offensive side coming from the Andy Reid coaching tree. But Nagy believed that you know getting a guy like Montgomery, who is a better option out of the backfield in terms of passing Jordan Howard only has nine receptions on the season right now out of the backfield but it comes and goes with each team what they want out of a running back but it looks like it'll be a good thing for for both teams Montgomery with the Bears Jordan Howard with the Eagles and they get to reunite this week which will be uh, maybe Jordan Howard's revenge game we'll see how it goes (laughs) we had the Alshon Jeffrey revenge game uh, last year in the wild card so hopefully he doesn't have that successful of a game come Sunday All right, we're going to move on to our second question of the day. And here it goes. This is Dan from Connecticut. 
Um, I'm glad that, uh, Nick, you have already, you know, left as a Mitsubishi bandwagon. My question is, since the Bears are not going to go anywhere with him and presumably are going to move on, would there be other pieces in place? Would you suggest they kind of go big for a trade and get a win-now quarterback as opposed to um, developing, or should they do both, get a win-now guy and a young guy um, to develop under a rookie contract? Thanks a lot. That's an interesting question because I think right now the way Mitch Trubisky is playing, how he hasn't progressed, the Bears are probably going to be looking at options and I, anything's on the table, to be completely honest, Charlie. Whether they want to go draft a quarterback, bring a veteran in, I think those those are both possibilities. But we were talking on the last audio mailbag that if you bring in potentially a rookie, there's that time frame where you have to wait for this guy to become the quarterback that you need him to be to maybe lead a team to you know a playoff run or a Super Bowl. But in terms of like bringing in a, a veteran, I mean, yeah, that's definitely an option, and guys that I've been kind of looking at, and the one that I think would still make the most sense it would be like a Nick Foles, only because he does come from that similar type of offense. He's proven that he can win. The only thing, the guy just signed a four-year, $88 million contract, and I don't know how Ryan Pace would even fit that into the team's uh, cap space next year. Obviously, there are ways you can do that, just restructuring other people's contracts, but that's a guy that would make sense in terms of a you know a veteran name that you could possibly bring where, okay, you can go with the offense that you have, not have any leeway in the backdrop. Obviously, maybe the terminology is a little bit different, but that is somebody that you can bring in. I just don't know financially if it's even possible. I haven't even looked into the numbers, and I haven't really done any homework when it terms to guys that you can draft. Uh, not at that point of the uh, the season yet. <laughs> we still have eight games here in in the regular season, so still looking to see what uh, could be a possibility. And I, but I do think the Bears will end up drafting a quarterback. I just haven't looked into names. But Charlie, what do you kind of think in in terms of like what the Bears could do for a future quarterback? So a couple things, you know, as you mentioned with Nick Foles, the guy's making about 22 million a year. Right now they have 13 million in cap space next year. They can get they can get creative. You know, there's some logical cuts like Cordero Patterson, Taylor Gabriel. I mean, you know, unfortunately, that those are the kinds of moves they have to make in order to afford a guy like Nick Foles. And again, that's just kind of what, like it gets back to what we talked about last week. That's kind of what happens when you go all in on the wrong quarterback. It, it's funny. I I kind of talked a little bit about this with Chris Emma from the score on my radio show on Monday. You know, there were a lot of question marks about Trubisky since he came out of college. It's it's really surprising looking back on it, and especially when you look down in Jacksonville, that they didn't take a flyer on a guy in the fifth or the sixth round. You know, again, it's not somewhat – it's not – you know, you don't expect to get a Gardner Minshew, but it's one of those things where if you find a guy that you like in the sixth round and you kind of keep developing him, it is sort of that worst-case scenario guy where – you know, we know what Chase Daniel is, but if you're able to draft a guy in the fifth or sixth round, maybe even the seventh round, I don't know, but over these past couple of years, you do have that at least possibility that something can sort of grow behind Trubisky. And, you know, that I think that's definitely uh, an oversight on their part and probably showing a little too much confidence uh, in their quarterback that, you know, it's a good thing to have confidence in your quarterback, but I think you have to have measured confidence in your quarterback. In terms of options, I mean, we talked about Foles, but 
again, this is this is going to be the question that looms over this whole season. What can they do uh, besides Mitch Trubisky? And you know, I keep coming back to Andy Dalton. He just got benched for Ryan Finley this week. It seems like that's over in Cincinnati. They can cut him for pretty cheap this off season. And you know, I think that's kind of the most logical thing. But you know, again, you're looking at. Marcus Mariota with the connection to Mark Helfrich. Maybe you bring him in on a cheap deal, but I think it's I don't think it's gonna be that cheap a deal. Do you really want to be paying that many quarterbacks that much money when you have as little cap space as they do? It's a tough call to make and you know, it that's part that's just the reality that they're in. Yeah, and the scary thing also when you think about this whole quarterback situation, and maybe Mitch can turn it around. I'm not, you know, uh thinking that that will obviously happen, but Ryan Pace hasn't really proven that he knows what a good quarterback looks like. He obviously he brought in Mike Glennon, which is a name that I don't really like bringing up on any kind of podcast just because it's Mike Glennon. He liked Marcus Mariota, obviously the situation in Tennessee Love right Mariota. now. Yeah, and I mean, wanted to get him if he had the chance. We're here with the Mitch Trubisky situation. There's no, there's no proven fact that if Ryan Pace gets another chance at this, that he's going to succeed which is kind of scary for for Bears fans in this organization because that is the most important position in all of sports. And if you can't get it right, it doesn't matter how much talent you have because this Bears team has plenty of it. They're 3-4 and four right now because they picked the wrong guy. And you mentioned some names that possibly come next season you can cut. There's guys like Dane Trevathan who was in his last year of his contract. Haha, ha Clint Dix will be up. Aaron Lynch, Roy Robertson-Harris. So there are going to be guys that – uh, you won't have to pay after the season. Maybe that gives you know the the cap space in the Bears' favor. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting situation unless Trubisky can dramatically turn this thing around, bring you know this fan base to kind of think that he can't be the guy. Which right now, Charlie, that that just isn't the case. A couple game end of game drives, you know, that's not what you, we should be hanging our hope our hopes on anymore. That's what. That's sort of what we did this past offseason, and it kind of seems like that's what some people are doing right now. And it's we there needs to be actual substance and prolonged substance of him being that guy, and it just hasn't been there. Charlie, I think you brought up a really good point because I think going after or after this uh, the wild card game, there was that last drive that Trubisky had that whole quarter, really. Yeah, and people, Bears fans. Myself included, Bears analysts, they were saying, look at what he can do. If he could just build from that 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 quarter, things could open up for this Bears offense. But we were so focused in on that one quarter and what the possibility could be for Mitch, and it just hasn't translated an entire game. That's a quarter. There's a couple of throws in a game. Where's the consistency? And that's where I, uh, on my the the post game podcast, I just I was done with it. We don't see the consistency from a guy. Yes, he, he's had a different offense coordinator his first year, Nagy in his first year, but this year there hasn't been enough consistency, and that's why I've just about had it with Mitch and the mistakes and the footwork. It's the little things. It, it doesn't matter if you're in a different offense or not. You still got to have the right footwork and know how to throw a football. It just seems like that hasn't translated for Mitch, and that's why when you look at the quarterback position, it's just in, in turmoil, I would say, for the Bears right now. But – it's going to be interesting because obviously there's still games to be left to be played left in this season, and Mitch Trubisky can possibly turn around the narrative, but it's going to be really, really tough. Oh, Last thing on this: his QBR on the season is thirty-six point five. I know that's not you know the best 
stat, but Ooh. when it's that low, it's indicative of something. That that was a terrible number right there. But that's what it is. That's the reality of the bear. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Here's the quarterback situation and the reality of the team. We're going to go to our last audio question of the day, and here it is. Hey, Chicago Audible. It's Michael West calling from Reedley, California. Um, my question is, if the season continues to go south um, at the pace we're going, um, what do you think will, ha- what will happen to Matt Nagy? Do you think the Bears release him before the season ends, or do you think they release him after? And if so, who are your early possible head coach candidates you know, to replace Nagy and get this team turned around? Thanks, guys. Love the show. I, I don't think that this spells the end of Nagy. I think we've seen him be a very good coach before in terms of not just being that team leader, but in terms of how he's able to get the offense going in a few spots last year. A lot of it, you know, it's hard to call plays when you don't trust your quarterback. And I, I don't think that's indicative of – I don't think that's an indictment necessarily on Nagy as much, nearly as much as it is on Trubisky. It's hard to – you know, at some point, your quarterback just has to be better. Um, in terms of moving on from him, like I said, I don't think it'll happen. I think one of the other things that goes into that calculus calculus is who's available. I mean, you always have to look at the options that are on the table. You know, the Jets hired Adam Gase. There really weren't a whole lot of other options this past coaching cycle. The Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, Kings, Kingsbury, I think, is a little different, but look at the Jets right now, Gase might get fired after his first season, and there just weren't many great options last year, and that's not a, situ- a situation you want to find yourself in. The Bears are really lucky that they moved on from Fox when they did because there were so many good candidates available. You know, The Colts ended up hiring Frank Reich in that cycle. That Bears got the coach of the year with Nagy. So, you know, in terms of options, I maybe Eric Bieniemy in Kansas City, but I think it might be kind of hard to sell a fan base on going back to the same well you just got the guy you fired from. Everybody's going to want Kingsbury, you know, or excuse me, Lincoln Riley out of Oklahoma. I I know there's no salary cap on what you can give a coach, but that's he's not going to come cheap. And at some point you got to consider, like, is it really that much better than what we already have? Yeah, honestly, um, I don't think Matt Nagy's going anywhere after this season, regardless of how it ends, unless the Bears just completely lose every single I think game. Would, yeah, I think he would need an, I think he could get or he should get another chance with a decent quarterback. Yeah, so that's the thing. It all comes back. If Matt Nagy had a quarterback that can make a throw with a receiver that's on an aging linebacker, it, this we don't even have a situation. We're talking about a Bears W, but he doesn't have that right now in Mitch Trubisky. And yes, Matt Nagy has made some very questionable decisions. I don't know if you heard this, Charlie, but with Eddie Pinheiro kind of revealing that he would want to not be on the left hash mark, like why isn't that in, taken into consideration for a kicker where he likes to kick? Why doesn't he run David Montgomery in the red zone? Yes, he's had some questionable decisions, and 
up until this point, I think most people would say he's underperforming, but he's still only in his second year of being a head coach. And there have been times where if Mitch Trubisky makes a play, if the offense doesn't commit a holding penalty, plays would work. They would be in a better position, but it just hasn't happened this season. So I honestly don't believe that Matt Nagy is going to be fired. He will be the head coach come 2020. And the Bears did have a lot of success with him. The defense really helped him out, that's for sure. But I just don't see him going anywhere. I want to see what he can do if he gets the right quarterback. Just someone who can make those throws, just know what's being asked of his complex offense, which I think maybe is also the problem with Nagy right now. Maybe just got to, you know, take take back. We're always talking about, or he was talking about 202. That hasn't translated this year. But you saw what the I formation could do for the Bears and running the football, and that kind of worked for Mitch Trubisky in the play-action game, hitting Anthony Miller over the middle a couple times. I think he just needs to realize what his personnel is, where his quarterback is at right now, and actually play their strengths, that's going to help Matt Nagy. And, again, we talked about changing narratives. That can change his narrative in a more positive light if he's able to do that. So one thing I want to ask you about with, you know, kind of at the end of that game, obviously you just took a knee. And I think a lot of it, the way I've been looking at it is, like, you got to kick a 41-yard field goal. I know it's Soldier Field, and it might not be on the hash mark you like, and there is a lot to putting your kicker in the best chance – possible to succeed but look he, he kind of said this in uh, his press conference on Monday like Panera's an NFL kicker like that 41 yarder you that's you got to make that and you know he missed one earlier maybe he's in his own head a little bit and maybe Nagy should accommodate that I'm not saying that Nagy was right in taking the knee but I don't think he was as belligerently wrong as a lot of people seem to think because you know if you if you have faith in your kicker you should that that to me is fine but you know it's it's just one of those things where i think we play the results a little bit there uh if he if he makes that kick it's like anything we're not really talking about this but yeah i mean i i i also don't think he's necessarily wrong to not trust his offense in the sense that it might just be the reward might not outweigh the possible risk. And again, there's very little risk involved. I saw there was like 0. .008 or 0.08% chance of a fumble on that play, but he kind of talks a lot about other things. You know, maybe there's a hold on that play. Maybe there's, you know, uh, you know, maybe there's a turnover, like a Montgomery yeah. fumble, which, I mean, up until that point, Montgomery was having a great game, and Trubisky may be holding on to the football, being having a fumble or, or, you know, an interception. He had two of those, you know, prior to that in that fourth quarter. But, look, I mean, the distance 41, you run Montgomery, maybe you get one to two yards because the defense knows you're running the football. The distance, obviously, I don't think was the issue. And I don't – I think a lot of people are just blowing it out of proportion. I agree with Charlie here saying that it's a 41-yard field goal. Eddie Pinheiro should make that. Yes, he did miss a 33-yarder earlier in the game. But I still think that he's just got to – he's got to make that kick just uh, – we. Up until that point, I would say that you know Eddie Pinheiro had done a good job at his job kicking field goals, but he just missed, and it happens. But I still think that people are just, I think, really sore on the topic because, look, it's a loss. 17-16 Chargers win. A bad Chargers team goes into Soldier Field, beats the Bears, and this is like the one moment where, like, why didn't you get it closer? Distance wasn't the issue, and obviously win can pick it up um, the further you are out of uh, the field goal range, but... Again, it, everything gets intensified with a loss, and I, I'm okay with 
I guess I'm okay with the decision because I don't think it played that huge of a factor. Just maybe asking the kicker where he likes a kick would be something moving forward he should definitely do. But, yeah, that's my take on it. For me, it's – I. He made the wrong decision, but it's a decision that really shouldn't have had much of an impact, if any, at all. I think that's kind of where I stand on it. Yeah, I mean, you're not in that position anyway. If, I think both things are possible. Yeah, exactly. Both things are possible. They're not in that position if they don't have the two turnovers earlier in that quarter, possibly. Trubisky hits Taylor Gabriel. They kind of extend the lead. But that's, that's again, that's where we're at at this point in the season with the Bears. All right, we're going to move on to our Twitter questions for today's show. And our first question comes from Fidel, and he asks, standing at 3-4, and four, where do we go from here now? Is this a season completely lost? Fidel, I don't think it's completely lost, but it's pretty close. It is pretty close. The Bears lose another one here, their fourth straight game to the Eagles come Sunday. This season, you can just wrap it up and obviously put it as a disappointment. They're ma- obviously, mathematically, they are not out of out of the playoffs yet, but seeing how some of these NFC teams are playing, you have the undefeated 49ers, you have the Seahawks that are playing good ball, you have the Rams, all, all those uh, great teams within the same division. That's going to be tough. And if you lose this game to the Eagles, which is going to be a tough one being in Philadelphia, yeah, I would say wrap it up this season. We, there was a lot of expectations. The 100th year for the Bears. I was at the 100 years convention. So much hype surrounding it. But they lose this one against Philadelphia. That will basically wrap it up. And especially if you see Mitch continue to struggle, that would just about do it. What do you think, Charlie? It's I don't know if it's likely, but it's also definitely not impossible that they win one or two more games the rest of the season. I mean, they have the Lions twice who... I think for a while there were underrated and may have transitioned to a little overrated as like the underrated overrated team. But after that, they have the Rams and the Giants who they should beat. And you have the Lions again, who we just talked about. The Cowboys are playing fairly well right now. The Packers might be the best team in the NFC. The Chiefs might be the best team in the AFC. And the Vikings are one of the four or five best teams in the conference. So you don't want to, it's you don't want to assume wins or losses because that's just not how the NFL works. But this could get even uglier than it already is, and that's kind of hard to envision. But look, they drop if they drop this Eagles game and it, they look really bad in doing so. I still think the Eagles are a really good team just based on roster talent. Uh, they obviously figured out a lot towards the end last year. Maybe that's kind of what we're seeing again this year. But look, I mean, the Giants are the only kind of pencil-in, easy team they have left. Yeah, ever since the Bears beat down on the Vikings, they have just gone on a you know a resurgence and are playing some good football. Detroit Lions, or that NFC North outside of the Bears is playing some pretty darn good football. And all the other teams you mentioned, just that the Bears have left on the schedule, no guaranteed wins whatsoever, especially with how the Bears have been playing. You can't, even like that Giants game, they, they lost, a, 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 granted, they did have Chase Daniel playing in for Mitch. A weird which, game in general. Weird game in general, and uh, looking at how Mitch has played, you don't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade at this point, but there is no guaranteed wins for the Bears for the rest of the way, and if they lose this one, I think it just goes, you know, even, it goes downhill even faster than it already is, but a win can really just change all momentum hey there's a new clean slate you can look at it week at a time and beating a team that knocked you out of the playoffs last year 
that could be what this Bears team just needs to get going, especially if they find the offense or are able to contain Carson Wentz. Just they got to put it all together. Every phase needs to come together come Sunday to try to change this season because if it doesn't, they lose going to three and five. That's it. That's basically it. And we already talked about the schedule and how that will play out. So, yeah, it's not – so, Fidel, it's not completely lost yet. Come Sunday they lose, then it will be. All right, we're going to our last question for the audio mailbag podcast. This one's not audio, but it is a Twitter question. And it's from Michael Thornton. Michael asks, do you believe Mitch's performance is a reflection of his confidence with Nagy's poor play calling? Interesting. We were talking about Mitch and and Nagy, but Charlie, what what do you think about that with Mitch's performance, a reflection of the confidence that Nagy has in him? So I, I think these two things go hand in hand. It's you really have to whittle whittle down your playbook when you have a guy who can only run a certain amount of plays, and a lot of times that does result in bad play calls. But you know there are a lot of questionable decisions. Obviously, the seven run game that can't happen. Um, I do think there's a lot more that goes into play calling than we all know. I think that's probably what we play the results most on. You know a. a good play call is only a good play call if you know four yards are gained on it something like that so I you know I, I kind of resist overtly judging play calling but at the same time you know there are things that Nagy can do better like we said in the red zone again you know I don't know what their um, their I formation package looks like if it's very conducive to what uh, they can run in the red zone but you know maybe try it a couple times you got to get you know halfback dive we'll see you know, just kind of basic simple stuff like that i think i think Nagy kind of gets afraid to be simple sometimes yeah. and a lot of times you know i would prefer that in a head coach to be creative as opposed to simple but at the same time you kind of got to like you said draw yourself back in yeah i completely agree with that and you might just look at like the red zone plays that were called just say a throw out into the flat with a Cordero Patterson. Like, I, I think I talked about this on whether it was a post game or last audio mailbag, but you, you don't want Mitch really surveying the field. I, I think that's what Nagy has kind of shown in some of his play calls, where you just don't want him to have to read and go through his progressions. I mean, I think last, last week, even though he had a bad game, he was able to do that at times. That's how he found an Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, but. You you see like these these plays out to the flat, that's that's an easy throw for a quarterback. Any quarterback can make that. You're not having him look into you know the end zone where it's obviously a condensed field where there's going to be a lot more defenders it seems like than there actually is, and you have to make a quick decision. So I think that is where Matt Nagy is just settling because he knows his quarterback isn't the best at that, and that's obviously affecting what the Bears actually want to run. And you see he's calling plays where where you have Taylor Gabriel on a linebacker. He's not able to hit it. How much confidence can you keep having in a quarterback that's missing routine throws that are set up for success? They said they've been practicing that play a whole bunch in the week prior to that game, leading up to that game, yet Mitch just doesn't execute. So I think, it goes, like you said, Charlie, it goes hand in hand. Matt Nagy can be doing a better job of just putting Mitch up for success. Mitch can just be hitting the gimme throws that Matt Nagy's calling, and that's why the Bears are what they are right now, an offense that is still trying to find an identity. Part of it, too, is 
you look at Kansas City and, you know, teams are terrified of Tyreek Hill. And it's because he can stretch the field. You just don't want the ball in his hands. But the way they play off of him creates a real problem for how you play the rest of the offense. And, you know, Taylor Gabriel, it, Taylor Gabriel's not as fast as Tyreek Hill, but that's that's how you would think teams would be playing Gabriel and Cohen, but they're not because in Kansas City they also have to respect the fact that Mahomes can hit that throw. They don't have to worry about that with Cohen or Trubisky. So, you know, it, there's that, and also Trubisky knows, or Nagy knows Trubisky can't hit that. So, again, it's kind of one of those things where you really end up limiting yourself based on what the defense knows you can do and what you know your quarterback can do. Yeah, I mean, abs- absolutely. So it goes hand-in-hand hand to uh, answer your question there, Michael. I keep getting text messages. I am so <laughs> sorry about that. But, yeah, this is um, something that they still have to figure out, and if they don't, obviously the season's not going to go any better than what it is right now. And I, I hate to put you on the spot here, Charlie, but do you have a, a game prediction for, for the Sunday? I know it's still early on in the week. But do you want to score? Not a score. Just okay. I mean, do you, just in your gut feeling, do you see the Bears kind of turning this around against a pretty good, you know, Eagles team? They haven't played like it, but they did just get that win against Buffalo. Really bad weather game, but they were able to run the ball effectively against the the five. And I was really surprised to look at the Bills' record. They were five and one yeah. prior to that game. Now, obviously, five and two after the loss of the Eagles. But do you have a? A prediction there of who's going to come out with the victory doesn't have to be a score, but if you have one, the way you beat the Eagles is by passing on them, and the Eagles can't pass. Or excuse me, the Bills can't pass, and that's largely why they lost. The Eagles are very good against the run. The Bears also can't pass. Mm-hmm. You know that they can't take advantage of a really bad Eagles secondary. So because of that, I mean, I think the offense or I think the defense is going to be on the field a lot, and I do think this is going to favorably for the Eagles. I think they end up winning. All right. I won't give my prediction or who I have winning because you have to listen to tomorrow's preview podcast, but you got it from Charlie there. Uh, And that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Of course, if you want to hear your question heard on the next audio mailbag podcast, all you got to do is call 872-240-4007. And that number again is 872-240-4007. Leave your name, where you're from, and the best questions will be read on the next podcast. But that's going to do it for Charlie and I. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see what happens come Sunday. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.